once, long ago, there was a podcast. A podcast that had grown so mighty and powerful, it had gained a listenership of like 12 people. In its mightiness and its powerfulness, the podcast grew arrogant, grew foolish, grew proud, and it was struck down for millennia. Many forgot about the podcast, believed it to be dead, buried forever, but nothing is truly buried forever. Some say that when the time is right, when the creator of the podcast can be bothered to get her act together, it will rise once again, mighty, powerful, obsessed with people who aren't real. And that time has come. That's right, y'all. I'm not dead. Welcome to Fake Redhead Talking Fast, the podcast where you can hear an over-opinionated Scot slash share her thoughts. I'm Cassie, the fake redhead in question, and let's finally get back to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to FRTF, which is short for Fake Redhead Talking Fast, which would be helpful if I hadn't then just said Fake Redhead Talking Fast, uh, because I'm getting bored of saying it. It has been absolutely ages. I could offer any amount of excuse or apology, but I don't care to, and I'm not going to. The main thing is I'm back now, and you can all rejoice and be grateful. I'm kidding. Thank you so much for your intense patience. I recognise it has been a while. I would love to tell you that um, this this week's podcast is completely going to make up for that, but I don't lie to people. Uh, today's topic is one that will completely dispel in anyone's mind the doubt that I am just a casual fan of anything. You know me. Anything that I like, I like it. And it causes issues. But not this time, for it has given me podcast material. I'm going to take you through something that I have saved as a note on my phone for ages, like months and months and months. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And therefore, ladies and whatever loyal gentlemen listeners who continue to put up with this, sit back, relax, have a drink, a beverage, alcoholic or no, I'm not going to judge it's five o'clock somewhere. And relax as I walk you through the superpowers I have picked for each leading Jane Austen woman and why. Let's begin. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, for the love of any other literature, please talk about something else. And I agree with you. The fact is, I am a leech who will extract the last available dregs of interest from a subject before I leave it discarded under a bridge, and Jane Austen is no exception. But, believe it or not, I credit this as one of those rare moments that I experience an original thought, rather than just being inspired by some random literature text post that I find from Tumblr on Instagram. So please do allow me this moment of self-indulgence, as I am actually rather proud of this list. But before I move on to the list, I want to share why I think I created it. Two musical flourishes within the space of 40 seconds. I really am spoiling you. It's incredibly rare that I write any sort of fanfiction. And if I do, it's generally one-shots or scenes rather than actual stories or spin-offs, that kind, of, that kind of thing. I chalk this up to the fact that when I write, I do so on vibes. 
rather than actual plot lines. And this I attribute to the fact that I tend to oscillate through life, touching on experiences and feelings before shimming away to the next adventure, which is on the whole a fun way to live, although it does present its own unique challenges such as writing a novel that makes any coherent sense and being able to emotionally self-regulate. Anyway, I am a very character-focused reader. I think this is why I naturally gravitate to tropes like found family uh, and why I love random little domestic scenes that show just characters just vibing, chilling, stuff like that. The best example I've been able to think of to explain this is completely useless to those of you that don't like superhero films. It's in Avengers Age of Ultron, after they've just had like a big party in Stark Tower, or the Avengers Tower as it is then, uh, when it's just the main Avengers and a couple of the friends afterwards just having a quiet drink and having a contest to see who can lift Mjolnir, Thor's hammer. And it's just like a really daft, sweet moment where characters who are usually fighting bad guys and forwarding the plot and looking very stoic, you know, into the middle distance, are just having a laugh, you know, taking, taking shots at each other, just having a bit of a giggle. I love that. Anyone who knows me, my family especially, as they're the ones who have to hear me ramble about it, could tell you I'm a very immersive consumer of fiction. And I've just realised that they possibly encouraged me to start a podcast so that I don't speak to them anymore. That's quite rude. Anyway, I like to get involved. And the most common way I do this is generally... Oh, I'm just putting all of this out there. Is generally by inventing myself a character to insert into the plot. Not to exact any dramatic difference, just to hang out with the other characters but I also generally just really like to understand the original characters I don't become one of those people that truly believe they're real or have rights or change the course of my life or anything because they're not real um but I do like to look into their backstory and I can get very passionate about them I know me being passionate about something is such an absurd notion but it has been known to happen I don't really believe that anything is any one thing even well-written villains will have something that we can sympathise with. That's why they're well-written. I like to look at the motivations for doing things. For instance, I believe that Loki deserves redemption, but the Darkling does not. They've both done terrible things, but examining their motivation and their reasoning set them apart from each other. By the way, on a separate note, believing a character should get a redemption arc does not make the things they did excusable, nor does it mean that I agree with them. In much the same way that not believing a character should be redeemed doesn't mean I hate them or that they are in no way sympathetic. It's a very interesting distinction that I will go into at a later time. By this point, I hope you understand why I felt the need to, well, maybe not the need, to ascribe superpowers to Jane Austen heroines. And it's a credit to Jane Austen's character writing that I feel like I know these women well enough to know what ability would line up with their personality. I'm basically a BuzzFeed quiz for 180-year-old literature. You're welcome. Um, but yes, I have gone with the main heroine. So, for instance, I've only done Lizzie Bennet rather than all of the Bennet sisters. I've only done Emma Woodhouse rather than um, Harriet Smith and Jane Fairfax. You know, I could expand this list, but we're looking at the seven main um, female protagonists of the six books. Each lady has a power. Um, I've written down what it means and one weakness and or limitation on it. And so, without further ado, the list. So our first one, Catherine Moreland, Monster Manifestations. She can create and control monsters with her mind. It will be no surprise to anyone that knows me that I started with Catherine. Anyone who's listened to this podcast know that I love Northanger Abbey. 
the heroine of my favourite novel. Uh, it has it was her that originally gave me the idea. Throughout Northanger Abbey, Catherine uses the supposed wisdom she has gathered from her novels, along with misguided advice from her wiser best friend. And trust me, if this podcast was recorded with a camera, you'd be able to see the amount of air quotes I'm doing. Uh, to draw conclusions about situations and people and decide what happens in the real world, given the fact that up until that point, she's kind of lived on a farm with her family in a tiny village where nothing happens. <laughs> I can't relate. I can't. I don't live in a farm. Uh, and, I, and I know what... Actually, this, this has become a completely pointless analogy. Anyway, uh, this particular aspect of her character really comes out after she's been invited to Northanger Abbey by General Tilney, by Henry Tilney's father. And this is where her limitation comes. She can only manifest or create three monsters on her own. Now this um, kind of came to me um, because she suspects General Tilney of having murdered his wife. Well, this is in no way the case. That is how it would happen in one of her novels. And she creates this scenario, and this is where I got the thing where she can only do three on her own. She creates the scenario with no little help from Henry Tilney himself, General Tilney's son, who teases her as they're on their way to Northanger Abbey by telling her stories of vampires, murder and intrigue and how the house has some kind of strange, dark force about it. And that kind of helps in this belief that maybe the general is some kind of wicked villain of gothic literature kind of proportions. And that's where she snowballs into that. So when aided, she can create more than one monster. Emma Woodhouse, Emma. Mind control and telekinesis. She can make people do things. Emma was the one that came easiest after Catherine. It had to be mind control, and telekinesis just kind of went with that. And when I read this list to some of my friends, my one of my friends was like, yep, could only have been mind control. In Emma's own little snow globe world, she snaps her fingers and things happen. You know, she can, using her power and her, well, it's not even power, using her influence, her standing, her stature, people naturally want to do things for her. They want to please her and make sure that things go her way. Uh, but I chose her weakness, the fact that she can't make anyone fall in love or kill themselves, which is, you know, sidelined to the plot. Uh, but she can't make anyone fall in love. Because I base that on the fact that very few of the matches that she actually proposes don't work. You know, Harriet doesn't end up with Mr. Elton. Mr. Knightley isn't in love with Jane Fairfax. That doesn't happen. Even her own match, you know, that she quietly, secretly makes in her head to, um, I've just completely forgotten his name, Frank Churchill, there we go. That doesn't happen. And even though by the end of the novel, Emma's propensity to meddling has cooled somewhat, I think that after the novel's conclusion, she still has everyone wrapped around her little finger. In a nice way, of course. Now we're what everyone's been waiting for. Elizabeth Bennet, Pride and Prejudice pyrokinesis control and generate fire flame and or heat quite possibly the most famous of jane's heroines fire powers were an absolute no-brainer for eliza bennett fighty spirited utterly uninterested in your opinion she just burns and crackles through life lighting fires and hearts and tempers people don't like her people adore her you she's like the marmite of her own world you either like her or you don't uh, but like fire it can hurt people, such as when her pride prevents her from being honest with her sisters. And so her weakness? 
chucking water over her parts were out. We see the literary equivalent of this when she receives Darcy's letter that outlines just, in fact, how unpleasant Wickham was and what a line he had spun her, and when she finds out that Lydia has run away with Wickham. Again, sorry, near 200-year-old spoilers. I, You know, spoiler warnings are in fact. Um, that has the kind of characteristic of just water being chucked over a fire. You can see her kind of, especially in the films, you can see her just kind of physically deflate. She's like... But yeah, so that's where that one came from. And I thought I, I was quite proud of that. I was quite proud of that. Fanny Price, Unrekinesis and Shadow Mimicry, can create darkness or summon it and become a shadow. In all honesty, I feel this is the one I have the least authority to speak on. I have neither read nor seen any variation of Mansfield Park. I have listened to an abridged radio dramatisation, but I don't feel that helps as I know how different they can be from the source material as I listened to a Northanger Abbey one and was like, this is nice, but what? I tried to start reading it about three, four years ago, but I could not get on with it. Fanny Price, for a start, what a name, is sent to live with her family. And they are awful. The type of awful that makes it difficult for me to enjoy a book. Listen, I love Jane Eyre. She has a horrendous family, but I can cope with that. Fanny's family are just annoying to read. Bigoted, self-righteous, snobbish, hypocritical, just awful. I struggled. In a book given to me by my dear friend, The Jane Austen Guide to Dating, which was superb, I did learn more about the characters in Mansfield Park, and it did dispel some of the misconceptions I had about them. Fanny turned out to actually have more oomph and self-respect than I had previously thought, which was quite a pleasant realisation. But I still think her power suits her, as I get the impression that she is overshadowed, lol, by the other characters. And her limitation is that she has to remain a shadow for 12 hours, because that seemed about right. Eleanor Dashwood, force field and energy protection, can create barriers and solid walls of energy. This felt like it fit very well. I'm a huge lover of the Sense and Sensibility adaptation written by Emma Thompson, and I have started to read it, and it definitely cemented to me that I had made the right choice, which I have just noticed in my notes I have spelt W-R-I-T-E, smart. Uh, Eleanor's gentle wisdom and, or sense, mask her emotions to ensure that she never does anything shameful or rash. The energy projection kind of came from the fact that she can generally steer her mother and her sisters to more genteel waters by behaving that way herself and setting an example. The limitation to us is that too big of a force field or sustaining one for too long drains her of energy. And the literary parallel, parallel I thought to this is pretty much any time she actually lets herself cry. And if you know the book or the film, you may well remember the famous scene where she learns that she can be with the man she loves and she goes to bits out of relief. Spending all that time trying to keep walls up does get exhausting. Marianne Dashwood, teleportation and wormholes, can teleport to a location and create portals. I'll be honest, Marianne is probably my least favourite Jane Austen heroine, and it frustrates me a little when people say I am like her. Honestly, it has happened, mainly because they aren't necessarily always wrong. Flighty, shallow, insipid, naive, Marianne is all the things within myself that I want to stamp down and light on fire, but I digress. I chose teleportation because I get such a manic, frenzied energy offer, and not in a fun way. She can just pop in and out of places at random as the mood strikes her, because as we see in both the film and the book, moods very often do just strike her. However, her limitation is that she can only teleport to places she has been and knows. I don't have a concrete reason for this, so let's just not take ourselves too seriously, yeah? Anne Elliot, Persuasion. 
hyaluokinesis. I won't lie, I looked up some incredibly fancy words to explain the things I was looking for, and this one is she can manipulate and turn into glass. To be honest, I've got no idea where this came from, but it just, it stuck in my mind. It's a weird thing to say that I think of a character as glass-like, but for some reason, the leading lady of persuasion brings this quality to mind. Uh, when she's young, Anne very easily allows her will to be overpowered, leading her to reject the man she's in love with, which is quite a fragile thing to do, and I think Glass is quite fragile. But in the intervening years before she sees him, she seems to become, to remain with the Glass metaphor, tempered to a point where she won't necessarily just do whatever everyone else wants. She generally does for a quiet life, but she has gained a bit more of a quiet resilience to things, I think. And to be honest, with a family like hers, you'd need one. Uh, her, that that's her weakness. She is fragile in her glass state, although she is impervious to mental attacks. And to be fair, with a family like hers, you need to be impervious to mental attack to maintain any level of self-esteem because they are truly just horrible people. And there you have it, my strange, somewhat pointless assignation of superpowers to ladies of classic literature. I hope this has been enjoyable for you and you have not just spent the last 15 minutes throwing cushions around screaming, DOES SHE NOT KNOW THE CHARACTERS AT ALL? As I say, I credit this to being one of the few times I trust my own artistic expression enough to put it out there without fear. I kind of figure that you guys have heard enough embarrassing stuff about me by now, either in person or on the podcast, that finding out I give people in books superpowers is like way down on the list of stuff that makes you go, yeah, she really shouldn't put that out there. Or if you are a big nerd like me and don't agree with my choices or have ones you would like to add, please do reach out to me on Twitter at RedheadFastTalk, all lowercase, as I would be absolutely fascinated to hear your spins of this. And in fact, why don't we make a game of it? Shoot me over your favourite non-superpowered fictional characters from a book or screen, along with what superpower you would give them. Try and include a reasoning, and hey, if I get enough, we might get an episode dedicated to reading them out, which I think could be jolly good fun. I will try and become more regular in my uploading. I now have at least three episodes worth of material that I actually need to get written. There's a lot of things to hash out, uh, all of which, very excitingly, include guest appearances, which is the reason it's going to take me so long, because I need to figure out questions and formatting and things. Uh, this in mind, I would please ask that patience be maintained as I figure out how to have someone who isn't in my physical presence record with me. But it will be fun. I'm really excited for you guys to hear some of the stuff that I've got lined up for you. It promises to be very enjoyable. Thank you all so much again for your continued support it truly does mean the world to me i know that if things the things i talk about aren't really your cup of tea you do basically just spend 30 minutes of your time listening to me to help out so thank you again feel free to reach out at redhead fast talk if you have any other ideas for books films or other things that you really want me to talk about one very well documented request is the great gatsby so just to let the person in question know that i hear you and i will get on to it but in the meantime thank you all again i hope you all have a brilliant week stay safe stay well and i will speak soon bye